Welcome, welcome everyone to the 3000th, no it's not, it's like 76, 75, the Jan Arden Show and Podcast. Adam Karsh is with us, Caitlin Green is on a bit of a break, uh, our, it's, it's 74? 74, 70, episode 74. 74. Uh, Julie Van Rosendahl joins us today and Julie, uh, for this special occasion, which is Saturday, because Saturdays are special, has made scones. Scones? Yes. Scones. scones. It's, it's scone. It depends on where you're from. But I did <laughs> ask a few Scottish friends and they say it's scone. And the way you remember is you eat it till it's gone. Oh. You eat it M-G. till it's gone, which is what I'm doing right now. Okay. Well, there's some silly things going on in the world. And I saw Don French. Don French, shout out to you. We love you. Don French from French and Saunders, amongst a billion other things that Don has done. Vicar of Dibley, um, Delicious on Acorn. Anyway, I'll stop gushing in hopes that Don French reaches out to take me bowling or for a cup of coffee sometime in the near future. She had a little bit of a debacle on her Twitter feed last year about what goes on to a scone first, the clotted cream or the jam, or is it jam and then the cream? So I'm going to just refer back to you. This is such an exciting show already. Can you feel it? Yes. We're talking about food. <laughs> the question is what order do you put the, the spreads on? What is it supposed to be? I don't, I don't know if there is a, a an instruction that is proper. I say, however you want to do it is the way to do it. You, I, I think I would spread the clotted cream on first and then put the jam on top because it's hard to put a firmer uh, substance on top of a softer substance. You can't spread clotted cream. You can dollop it. Also depends on the texture of the clotted cream. Could they not have named it something other than clotted cream? Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think from a marketing point of view, a branding point of view, it's just uh, it's just not a great optic. It just doesn't sound good in my head. Yes, can you pass the clotted cream? Like, mm, I think that marketing wrecked it for clotted cream, not the other way around. I feel ta- like okay. it existed before, you know, before marketing existed. And so... Uh, yeah, we have we ha- we associate clotting with like arteries. Right? What and, is clotted blood. cream? Well, hey, they're not wrong. Clotted cream with the you know cream. You don't want to be doing a lot of that. What what where what is the origin? What part of of the dairy is clotted cream? Is it? It's not butter. It's very heavy, heavy cream. It's not butter. No, it's not butter. Uh, but it's been heated and it sort of scalds on the surface. And sometimes that that sort of the the, the heavier cream rises to the surface and it's scraped off. Um, I have a, some wonderful Middle Eastern cr- clotted cream in my fridge right now that's sort of in rolls because the, the scalded surface cream has been scraped off um, after it's been heated. But, you know, he, here in, in Canada, we don't see a lot of true clotted cream. We sort of see a lot of heavy whipped cream. And can, I just, of... can I just go back for a second, Julie? Please rolled, do. Rolled up? cream what does that it's mean sort of it, rolled, it's so thick sorry it's... i'm i'm gesturing i'm gesturing and and i realize this is an audio podcast so you, have you ever seen those uh the rolled ice cream you see it on on instagram yes. a lot and so mm-hmm. the, the people who make it make the the cream the sweetened cream mixture and they pour it on a really cold slab and then they scrape it with a like a, a putty knife or like a scraper right they, they pour, pour it on, on their mother-in-law Barbara. they pour it on their mother-in-law <laughs> who is ice cold and it freezes instantly <laughs> and then they scrape it off of her 
And uh, so they scrape it off with like a, like a knife or like a bench scraper type of thing. And it, and it makes a roll, right? So it's very Instagrammable. You see it, or you did a few years ago, it was like all over Instagram, same thing. So it sort of scraped off in a thin, the thin layer is scraped off and it rolls as you scrape it. Kind of as oh. if you were like peeling off paint or- um, A fruit roll up. A fruit roll up, only it's heavy, heavy cream. And you just okay, like, well, you know. I won't. I won't make our listeners linger there. I, I just want you to know that Julie made scone, scone, scone till they're gone, and uh, they look delicious. And I think it's a little bit malicious in a way, Julie, that you held up the platter to your camera. Yeah, those look good. And now you're taking a bite. What's your? <laughs> what's the flavor? The flavor is butter. <laughs> but and you blueberries. Do, is it blueberries? Cur- blueberries. Um, can I ask you while your mouth is full, what, mm-hmm. what is your favorite thing to make? And I've probably asked mm. you kind of sort of that question, but do you have a go-to that you and Willem are like standing in front of the fridge as I do four or five times a week now going, I want to make myself something because we're not eating out. We're not doing that as much as we were. What, what is your go-to for you guys? You know, I don't have very many go-tos. I, there are things that I make often, you know, like poached eggs on toast, um, you know, sort of quick things. But I, I'm always testing new things. I'm always trying new things. I'm always working on, you know, recipes for books or stories or whatever. So, uh, so I don't have sort of a regular repertoire, but I am trying to teach him some basics, you know, Um, especially when he's home a lot. He's, he's home this week, just my choice, but now the junior and senior high schools are going to be closed in Alberta starting next week. So a lot of kids are going to be home. And every day we have opportunities to le- learn new skills, right? So his go-to has become omelets because I taught oh. him how to do it. He can come down, he can crack a couple eggs in a, you know, a bowl and pour them into a skillet and fill it with whatever, yep. you know, cheese, whatever's in the fridge and, uh, and take it back upstairs while he's doing his work. So, that's, you know, that's what, great. He's 15, answer, right? He's 15. Yes. But to answer your question about what I like to make, people ask me this often, what's your favorite thing? It's like, it depends on the day. It depends on the time of day. No, I don't even mean favorite thing. I mean, just, just making that, that mindless autopilot. It's almost perfunctory. Uh, uh, mine's yeah. always toast of some kind. Toast with yes. beans, toast with mushrooms, toast with, I've done toast with leftover macaroni. I've done toast with spaghetti on it and squished it into a frying pan, mm. um, yes. which is so friggin' awesome. I'll, if cold spaghetti, don't ever, ever get to the point where you want to throw that out literally squish it onto a piece of toast. And what I've been doing lately too, is I don't do it in the toaster. I've gotten out of my, my habit of just toasting toast. I get my cast iron frying pan out and I grill it. Mm. And I want to thank, uh, you know, the internet for that. Once again, um, Donna Hayes from Australia, that wonderful, uh, chef from Australia, Donna, Oh yeah, she, Donna she grills, she grills bread all the time. So Anyway, I, I interrupted what your favorite thing, but if I can't make up my GD mind, <laughs> oh my God, it's going to be bread. And that's breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, whatever. I now grill bread, bread in a frying pan. I chuck anything like tomato, avocado, mm. uh, hummus, whatever. Mm. I love it. Toast is a vehicle for everything. Toast is the world's most perfect food. And that is, is what I eat the most of. And you're right. Anything creamed mushrooms on toast. One of my favorite things. It's so funny that you mentioned spaghetti on toast because that was <laughs> spaghetti sandwiches was Willem's favorite when he was little. And we always made- How did you make spaghetti yours? Spaghetti sandwiches. Well, we often made them open-faced. 
and yep. put cheese on top. Uh, I have not grilled one, although he's recently discovered grilled ramen grilled cheese. You, so you toss the ramen with a packet. I feel like we talked about this before. No, I don't. I, Adam, have we talked about gr- ramen grilled cheese? I don't know. I, please do tell. If we have, we'll, we'll can talk about it again. I don't even understand what that is. You make the, you make, make the ramen, you boil it. You, you cook the ramen, you toss it with a bit of the seasoning packet and some butter. So you don't want broth to make your, no. your sandwich soggy. And, and so the, the butter kind of lubricates it, seasoning packet, you toss it, and then you put it in a grilled cheese with your cheese of choice, your yeah. sli- cheese slices or whatever cheese. And it's amazing. It, he saw it on TikTok or YouTube or something. But of course he did. It, and it's fantastic. But that's so funny because last night we had leftover spaghetti and I was like, I haven't had a spaghetti sandwich for ages. I'm going to make it. And then he ate it. And I was like, oh, I don't get my spaghetti sandwich. I haven't had one for years. So here's funny. A, here's a little fun fact for you guys. What do you think the most commonly bought item in Canada is at the grocery store from coast to coast? Oh my gosh. I just heard this and my brain has uh, ejected the information. I he- I just heard this and I thought I, w- I questioned where this most, where the, the, the most commonly from. bought Adam. I'm going to give you a stab at guessing most commonly bought item in a grocery store from coast to coast in Canada. Is it a loaf of bread? No. Eh. Milk. Julie? Is eh. it, I, think, I think I guessed bananas at the time, but eh. I remember the answer surprised now me. Now I'm, I'm starting to annoy myself. Okay. Here's what it is. <laughs> uh, it's craft dinner. Right. Oh, that makes sense, actually. I love craft yes. dinner. And did you know that we eat more of it per capita in Canada than anywhere in the world? And it's only called craft dinner in Canada. Right. Everywhere else, it's macaroni and cheese or mac it's and cheese. It's craft macaroni and cheese, yes. So which which begs the question, is, do we buy the most of most craft dinner in Canada because it only exists in Canada? <laughs> no. Well. Really? Really? Where, what's the source of this data? Jan. I don't listen. I have no source to my data. It's my phone, Julie, which is always right. Oh, okay. Okay. So okay. Screw you. Do you put ketchup on your mac and cheese or are you au natural? I'm a ketchup person. Back in the day when I did mean, I, I make my own mac and cheese now because you know, the vegan thing, but I still do ketchup on and I mix it with hot sauce or I'll mm. make a ketchup mayonnaise. Do you know that, that Heinz is now selling Catch mayo, 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 catch mayo, catch mayo, chop. I'm googling mayo chop, mayo chop. I'm gonna call my next dog mayo Mayo chop. chop. That's what it is. Heinz mayo chop. I call it catch mayo. Would it it kill? Mm. Yes, I like that. Would it kill Kraft or or Heinz to sponsor this show? Like for one segment. (laughs) I feel well, like I feel like some poor fool is going to wander out there and buy mayo catch and try it instead of making it at home yourself. It's easy. Yeah, Put them so together easy. in a bowl. And it's essentially what the special sauce on a Big Mac is or mm-hmm. you know the Shake Shack special sauce. It's usually ketchup, mustard and mayo. Adam I knows this because he's a burger genius. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, that's what I do. I make my own big quote air quotes Big Mac sauce, ketchup, mm-hmm. mustard, mayo. Stop. Get out of my mind, Adam. I've been making (laughs) my own Big Mac sauce for my burgers. And it is out of this world. And you can just go online. Hit hit, uh, vegan Big Mac Mac sauce or just Big Mac sauce. Okay, that's it for this segment. When we come back, we're going to talk very quickly about clutter and intelligence. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. To all beef patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, twig, 
Welcome back to the Jan Arden Show and Podcast and Variety Hour. I'm with Adam Karsh, as always. Julie Van Rosendahl joins us from her very fancy studio in Calgary. She's got headphones on. She's got a windscreen on her microphone. Um, I'm, I just worked out. I have some kind of ball cap on that doesn't really fit me, but I did put on lip gloss, and I hope you guys appreciate the effort that I went to today. Um, yes. <laughs> okay. We here's, do. Here's a, a, something for you, and I believe this to be true. Although I am not like this, so what does it say about me? And here's what I'm going to say. Albert Einstein's messy desk, okay? In 19, one of the smartest men on the planet at that time was absolutely, unequivocally, Albert Einstein. He, his theories were revolutionizing physics and making people think in ways that they couldn't even have imagined. Um, and a lot of his stuff still stands up today. And I should know nothing about this because... Grade one was the best four years of my life. A famous photo taken in Princeton in New Jersey, 1955, shows Albert Einstein's office on the day he left this world. And I think a lot of people would imagine that someone with such an extreme high intellect would have, um, you know, systems in place to organize everything and something that made sense. But on the contrary, um, it... It, it was absolutely, it looked like a bomb went off. And I'm looking at a photograph right now on Twitter. And if you guys want to go to a handle, uh, it's at Amazing Science, just the way it sounds, at Amazing Science. Um, they posted on April the 1st, which I know is, uh, you know, April Fool's Day, but however, this is an actual photograph um, that smart people apparently through a lot of studies have a lot of clutter around them and are very unorganized thoughts on this. Like I just, and that I guess is a proven factual thing that really smart people, normally their desks look like dog. Oh, oh, Julie is showing us her desk. Okay. Well you are really, what is on your desk? Julie? <laughs> I, I, uh, oh, a lot of important um, stuff. Uh, okay, well, I'm, so I'm intrigued because you are so <laughs> unbelievably clever. I've got a bag of seeds uh, that I just ordered. I've got some uh, hand sanitizer. I have uh, butter. I've got scones. scones on your sorry. desk? You have butter on your desk? Of course, at all times. It also makes a great lip gloss in a, in a pinch. <laughs> it, it tastes way better. Then, uh, She's putting you know, butter on her lips right now, ladies and gentlemen. Tastes, Listen, I, I wish you see what I just saw. Julie, your desk really looks like I've got a, a puzzle. I've got like 18 Sharpies, uh, a hat, uh, a couple games that I brought up <laughs> in the basement, some cookbooks, of course, uh, my camera. Yeah, in a nutshell. And, and some, some scones. Did I mention that? Yes. Well, research published in Psychological Science, which is a magazine apparently, has good news for messy desk people just like you. Uh, a scientist named Kathleen Vohs, V-O-H-S, and a team at the University of Minnesota found that both clean and messy workplaces have their own unique perks. Um, series of experiments that they did, participants were seated at a desk that was either clean or messy, and then asked to answer survey questions and make various decisions. I'm reading this from the Psychological Science. I just want to credit them for this uh, little monologue that I'm saying here. 
participants seated at a messy desk generated more creative ideas during a brainstorming exercise than the people at the clean desk. I don't know about this. They also chose new or novel products over established ones when presented with options. In contrast, those seated at clean desks behaved more conventionally, doing what was expected of them when presented with either an apple or a piece of chocolate for a snack. <laughs> for example, participants seated at clean desks chose the healthy snack more frequently. This, I mean, is this taxpayers' money? <laughs> <laughs> what do we do with this information? It just makes us feel better for having having clutter around us all the time. Well, you know, with clutter, you have a lot more choices. I have a lot of stuff on my desk where I often write in my little music room, but it's really organized. Like I will go and put a pencil straight. I have, um, I'll take a picture of it later today and, and post it. So you guys can go on to the Jan Arden podcast or at my handle, Jan Arden, and I'll take a picture of my desk and you be the judge of what's... If I went up to my desk right now, my desk is way more organized than my dining room table. My dining room table is sort of a catch-all of everything in my house. I live in a 1906 house that has not one closet on the main floor because people didn't have stuff. Well, how do you come out of a closet at your house? You can't do it. (laughs) There's no closets to be in. So you're just out. I like it. So... It is, doesn't always look like this, but my dining room table definitely. And I, I feel like a lot of people have are having this experience this year with their kids at home and working from home, and you know that they're they're cleaning the oh, kitchen. Oh, I'm more sure it's changed. And, you know, so you know, I go through and, and sort of organize things, and I feel like it makes me mentally more. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I have a handle on things when I organize it and I put things away, and there's less clutter. Um, but I definitely don't have a lack of ideas all the time. Maybe so. Maybe it is all the, all the stuff. No, I mean you're very creative. But I, I have kind of read similar things to that before. You know, you'll walk into somebody's uh, space and be kind of astonished at at what they've accumulated. But most of those people will tell you exactly where everything is. Mm-hmm. Like you'd think they're never going to find that piece of paper, or they're never going to find that article or that folder. And by Jove, they'll scoot around in a corner and they know, and they just pull it out. Anyway, so all of you guys at home that have um, kind of busy spaces right now, you're extremely intelligent and probably very good looking, (laughs) which wouldn't be me. And you would choose chocolate over an apple. Could we have both? Could you alternate apples and chocolate? I feel like you can be, you can have clutter and be organized, like you just said. I, I, love that, I love that they presented people with a snack. Right? You're so I, I, I do too. I, I mean, if someone is offering me a snack and it's an apple or a chocolate and they're assessing me, I know that my decision is going to be marked down. It's going would to be- you got, Would you ever do, like if someone had approached you because of the nature of your business, especially with food, Julie, and, and, and all of that, would you ever participate in kind of a study that, you know, do people know what the study is? Like, obviously, those people went in and sat at desks, and I'm sure mm-hmm. they were not told, you're going to sit at a clean desk, your colleague's going to sit at a messy desk. Mm-hmm. Um, would you agree to that, not knowing what you're being observed for? I know I wouldn't. Oh, <laughs> I probably would. 
Um, depending on who it was who was asking, for sure. I would probably be sitting at the desk wondering, trying to trying to solve the mystery of what I'm being assessed based <laughs> on. What are they What are they trying to learn about me? And uh, yeah, then you, then you could kind of mess with them, right? And give these really random answers. Uh, yeah, I think it, it depends. I think it depends on who's, who's doing the asking. And if there's chocolate involved or apples. Would you, have you ever been approached to do uh, the kind of taste testing for new products? Like if there's a new yogurt coming out or if there's a new mm. candy bar, has anyone ever approached you to be involved in something like that? And who, and how do we get involved with those things? Because Adam and I would like to throw our hats in the ring, right, Adam? Oh, yes, please. You're such a food guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll taste anything for sure. Like a tasting panel. I don't believe I have. I've tasted a lot of new products and I've helped out certainly with, you know, chefs who say, can you taste this? We're developing a new menu. Like, what do you think about this dish? And, um, but actual products going out onto the market, I don't know if I have. Hasn't, haven't you ever been to a restaurant, like new restaurants opening, you know, pretty much constantly before the pandemic, but you must be the go-to person that they're like, come and do our tasting menu. Like, yeah, often I, I do get invited to come and try it out. I, I don't write about restaurants, you know, I'm not a critic. No, but I mean, you can certainly pass along your opinion to them. Sure. Oh, totally. Yes. What do and you, I, what do you say if it's crap? <laughs> you say, listen, this has got too much ketchup on it. It's I don't, yeah, I put lots of ketchup on it. And that's an <laughs> indication that it, it needs some flavor. Um, I don't say it. So I, I, I would say, you know, and I did have this, I've, I have had this happen where, you know, I think that a dish could probably be improved by, you know, a bit of acid or some crunch. A bit of turmeric. Some, a, a toss of turmeric. Yeah. Uh, so I just sort of give feedback. Like, oh, you know, it'd be really good. Blah. You're lovely. We're going to be right back. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. The things I love are simple and few. Just a cup of coffee, a sandwich, and you. Welcome back. I am Jan Arden. I am your host. I'm here in my home. Uh, my Christmas tree is still up. And if you've been following along, my Christmas tree was staying up until I got vaccinated. Well, by the time you hear this podcast, which is Saturday afternoon, welcome to Saturday, I will have been vaccinated, my first vaccination shot. So I'm going to go do that this afternoon. You know, there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions about vaccinations. And I think everyone is entitled to that. And I think we have to be really mindful to not admonish people for not wanting to do it uh, for myriad reasons. Really be careful with, you know, your language on stuff like that. As much as, you know, I'm getting it. I don't want to hear like, why would you get that? And how come you're getting it? And my mother hasn't got it. I'll tell you right now, I've been fiercely persistent about finding an appointment. I have phoned consistently to pharmacies constantly all the time, um, whether it's Safeway shoppers, uh, the Alberta Health Service, whatever. I have got my family doctor like trying to give me information of where I can phone and put my name on a list. A, I'm 59 years old. So, and plus I have a heart history. So that puts me kind of in the right place, but I'm in the right age group to do this now as well. But just so everybody knows, sometimes you have to just get out there, advocate for yourself, 
Uh, they've had a lot of cancellations. A lot of people don't show up for their shot. And I'll tell you, if that shot's been assigned to you, you know, you, you, you got to make sure you either cancel your appointment and, and let them know that you can't come because a, a lot of these clinics, and we're talking about, you know, not enough vaccines to go around. They're having to disperse with the vaccines that have come out of the refrigeration or come out of storage. So if you've got a hundred people that didn't show up for one particular day at the whatever center, they can't use them. So anyway, uh, that was my little, I told you I was going to do these little diatribe things. Anyway, by the time you were listening to me do this, I've done the shot and I'm a little nervous, but I'm also, I know that it's not the end all be all that I need to practice social distancing. I need to wear a mask. I need to do everything that I can do to protect myself, to protect the people I love, to protect people I'm walking down past the street with. And, uh, but we'll get there. And this is part of a, of a bigger solution. Uh, Julie has talked about her mom and dad and Julie, give us a little bit of background on your dad and what you've been dealing with on the vaccine front. Cause your dad is a very brilliant physician mm-hmm. and um, you know, your mom and dad, <laughs> I, and I hope they don't mind me talking about this. have come from little different ends of the pool on this. So I'm just going to hand it over to you. <laughs> well, yeah. So my dad is a retired gastroenterologist and um, has some history working on pandemic planning and so he's he's very knowledgeable about this stuff and uh and and you know they've been isolating since march 3rd of last year because they saw it coming you know the the physicians in my life uh who who were sort of more in the know i watched their reactions leading up to the you know the them declaring this a pandemic the closures and they predicted how it would all unfold with such accuracy and, uh, and so now, um, yeah, my parents, you know, they're in their 70s. Uh, there's been some, some disagreements about which, you know, vaccine to, to hold on, hold out for. Yeah. Um, my, yes, my parents are not disagreeing on this particular issue. And uh, so, yeah, my, my dad wants to wait for a specific one. My mom yeah. went yesterday and got hers. Cool. And uh, so... Yeah, it's it's tough, you know, it's tough that there are so many questions, so many concerns have arisen around blood clots or, you know, negative reactions or which which vaccine is is more effective toward the variants or if you're over 55, there are so many factors. Yes. And having those questions in the mind of everyone who just wants to be safe, just wants their families to be safe, just wants to do what's best. And, and we don't have all the information, you know, to make those assessments. So um, it's just, it's, it's, it's tricky to navigate. Um, But I think that, you know, getting, we, I, I, physics was not my forte in high school. So I am going to leave it up to the experts and, and uh, you know, the risks have been pretty, pretty low. I think we're looking for negative uh, reactions to the, you know, everyone's sort of so on edge about, about, the, how fast this has all happened and how fast things are changing um, that we're really hypersensitive to any potential harm or yeah. risk. And everything think, and has that's, risk. And that's why, I'm, yeah, that's why I was just cautioning people to, you know, just be kind of kind on people's decision. And your mom and dad are a perfect yeah. example of a family, you know, husband and wife that have been married for almost 117 years, 112, uh, this, yes. 112 years of summer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, there's a difference of opinion, but there still can be respect and support. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm sure your dad was like, go for it, honey. You know? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and I, <It> was- <laughs> <laughs> Little, a few more words than that, but yes, ultimately that's where they landed. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, I love that your mom makes up her own damn mind. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And, and he supports her. And so, you know, and living, living in close quarters with somebody for a year and a half, I think is wearing on all of us. It, you know, it just, so yeah. there's, there's that. There's well, that. I, um, Anyway, it's, it's such an interesting time. And uh, next week, I will certainly speak to everything that happened and how it goes. But getting back to my Christmas tree. Sorry, this was such a roundabout uh, <laughs> uh, uh, story. I vowed to my friend Nigel, who's in the UK. He has had his shot. Um, his mom has had the shot. They've actually had both their shots now in the UK. They're, they're hustling along over there. Um, I said, I'm leaving my tree up until I get my shot. Well, I have... Like, I'm starting to hate this tree. I'm starting to really resent this tree. Like, I look at it when I get up in the morning. It is 12 feet high. Like, the candy canes this time of year are just bumming me out. But I was determined, and I had this thing in my mind, I can't take the GD tree down until I get vaccinated. And it was almost like this challenge to myself. It was so dumb, I know. But tomorrow, my two friends that are allowed to come over here are coming to help me take this 12 foot tree down. But listen, I have to, I have to tell you a little bit of it's tree sun case. And Julie knows these, these friends of mine and um, case was it three months ago, not even three months ago, it had open heart surgery and a double bypass. Uh, three years previous to that, he had, he had four, a stage four, lung cancer, went through all the chemo and the radiation. The doctors think he's a walking miracle. He has been tested clear now for the last six years. His scans come in. Anyway, he is the one that I have cajoled into coming to help me take down this 12-foot Christmas tree. What kind of an a-hole am I? Yeah, you think your husband is healed enough to climb up that ladder? Uh, (laughs) have you had to dust your tree like because it's been listen I'm afraid no I haven't dusted it but I'm gonna wipe all the ornaments off as I put them back into their plastic tub to go downstairs and now Nigel in the UK is going why don't you just bloody leave it up just leave it up it's almost Christmas again I'm not leaving it up I said for one thing it's blasphemy you can't put a tree up until after Remembrance Day at least right anyway that's my, did I take up the entire 10 minute segment with that most boring story of all time? No, it was a good story. It was a good story. You still have 90 seconds. Well, here's something for you in 90 seconds. Uh, you know, all these celebrities are, you know, doing different things now because, you know, stuff's going down. Steve Urkel, remember Steve Urkel? Yep. Yes. Well, he's selling pot. He's got a pot company. Really? Oh. And uh, cannabis, sorry, Jaleel White. And his, his company is called It's Purple. And uh, so he played Steve Urkel on Family Matters. Well, he's, he's launched a new cannabis company called It's Purple, P-U-R-P-L, which a oh. cannabis, it'll, it'll feature diverse variants of the fire purple weed strain called Purple Urkel. Purple I don't know, Urkel. I don't know anything about pot, but he's uh, an actor and apparently he's an entrepreneur now. And um, he's... Uh launching a pot line i mean seth rogan also has an interesting yes. marijuana line that he's doing really well with and he makes a lot of 
pour pottery ashtrays that he has on Instagram all the time. Yes. Anyway, that was my 92nd thing, Steve Urkel. So if you're looking for a purple strain of some kind of marijuana, purple Urkel. A, look That's him up. Fun. You're listening to the Jan Arden <laughs> podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Jan Arden show and podcast, the podcast where we don't really have a topic. And I think that's what has made us a raging success for a year and a half now is that we don't saddle you with a theme. Like we're not going to put you through that for 45 minutes. Here's our theme. Here's what we're going to do. We don't know what we're going to do, do we? And we're proud of that, right? It's Adam, right? It's Adam. We're proud of that. I'm very proud of that. It's a show about nothing, right? Right. Yes. <laughs> so here's my question for the both of you. And, and it's pertinent to the times in which we are living. How do you keep your cool doing during a really emotionally taxing conversation? How do you keep your cool or do you just lose your knob? Do you just throw your hands in the air and just rage on? Or like I have found myself in a few of those conversations, which we kind of alluded to in the last segment of dealing with people that have a very strong opinion about what you do or do not do during this time in life. How do you, I mean, I know little things that I'm doing that I'll talk about, but Adam, I'm going to ask you first, what, what do you, where do you find the heart of that? What are you doing? I'm cleaning. <laughs> okay. I clean. I clean. That's how I, because I got, I'm focused on something else. I'm wiping the counters. I, I swear to God, I'm cleaning. <laughs> I'm doing the dishes. I, like I'm cleaning. That's how okay. I keep my cool. And you just, do you talk while you're cleaning or, or you do? I, and yes, that somehow I, keeps it from a 10 to like a, what, a four? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good distraction. I think cause I'm focused and I, I got to talk and I'm cleaning and I might be, I might be mad. Now, if I was married to you, I would yeah. pee <laughs> you off all the time. Just be like, Oh, if I make Adam mad, he'll, he'll change the sheets on the bed. <laughs> I'm not vacuuming cause you can't have an argument over the vacuum, but Oh yeah. I'm Lysoling the counters. Oh yeah. I'm taking dishes out of the dishwasher. I'm putting them away. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Breaking them. It's like a Greek <laughs> restaurant in your place. I'm not breaking it, but yeah. <laughs> Julie, what do you do? What do you do? I agree. I am rage cleaning the floorboards. <laughs> oh my God. Were you two separated at birth or what? <laughs> Possibly. They, uh, yeah, the floorboards would never get cleaned if it wasn't for, you know, waiting for medical test results or rage. But um, rage cleaning, I, I send a lot of texts to my, my sister and friends, texts that I want to send to a person that I know I cannot send to a person who is instigating the rage. And I, I'm lucky to have friends. Uh, my friend Amy in Toronto is a, is a great editor, and she has helped me edit some, some emails this week. Um, but yeah, I think holding it in is, is not healthy either, right? Like you got to no. get it out in the whatever way you can and then compose yourself and react in a thoughtful and productive and uplifting way. Oh, Doesn't God. anybody like fight anymore? Like, oh yeah, just sure. get, get, roll your sleeves up and have an argument. And I'm not talking with total strangers. I, I think you guys both understood the question. It's, you know, how do you keep your 
crap together with your loved ones, your sisters, your parents, your relationships, your kids. No, I mean, that too. I mean, externally to that, we have interactions with people in stores and things like that. I have kept my mouth shut. I'm going to say 19 out of 20 times. I think in the last year I have said one thing to a person and they just walked out of the store. They didn't have a mask on. And that was probably last June. Um, It was a bakery. And uh, there was two of us standing there and this, you know, person came rifling in mm-hmm. and didn't have a mask and just kind of stood there like, I'm mm-hmm. like, sorry, you can't. And I could see the bakery people like panicking. And I just said, sir, you, you have to have a, a face covering to be in here. He told me to F off, but I didn't, oh. that was it. I, I, but other than that, I have been keeping my mouth shut lately because everyone's wearing masks around me these days. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to know when to, you know, what, what fights to take up, what to, when to say something. (laughs) Yeah, tell me, I need to be educated on that. (laughs) Well, and I just actually took an online course, a virtual course with UFC earlier this week. And I had Willem take it with me, my son. They do these bystander intervention training workshops online and it's open to Mm. everyone. And I think that it's really useful because, you know, we, we, um, often are presented with situations and I've come across a lot of situations in my life where something is happening and people aren't reacting and then you get the bystander effect right where no one else is doing anything so I probably shouldn't do anything and what's the right thing to do but those people aren't acting so I'm not going to act and then no one does anything or they're contemplating what the right response is and the situation passes so I think it's important that you know when we're out in the public and and witnessing you know, situations where people are in distress or being abused or, um, you know, that we, we are sort of prepared to react with some strategies that we can implement. So I think it's great that they were doing that. Oh, I think that's a, I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. You know, how do we be a good Samaritan now? Exactly. How do, how do we do it effectively? Well, and especially in, in times of COVID when people are afraid of, close physical interactions and, uh, you know, worried about putting themselves at risk. And how do you help this person without, you know, in in an effective way anyway. So I think having those tools and knowing, uh, you know, what agencies to call, where you are, how to react, how to, and even if it's reacting in a way that sort of diffuses the situation, you know, that you're stepping in, you see an uncomfortable situation on the bus or out in public and you kind of, you know, interject and, and insert yourself in a way that distracts from what's going on. You know, pretend you know the person. Hey, how's it going? Let's go here. Check. You know, there are a lot of ways that you can distract from the situation without um, escalating it. I think. Anyway, this is this is not what you asked. I'm sorry. No, not at all. You 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 did. I think it's great that there's information, especially for younger people, that we are all reluctant to step in and help because, oh, do we have time to get involved? Do we, do we really wanna like, I gotta, you're looking at your watch, I gotta get, you know, my mask, I don't know these people, I don't wanna really be, I don't, you know, there's so many excuses that we give ourselves, but I think you have to trust your instinct and trust your gut when you really do need to step up to aid somebody, to at least give them the, your support or to tell them, I'm calling the police, I'm calling something, I see, do you wanna come into my store for a second and mm-hmm. just, to, to have uh, a fellowship 
And, you know, you don't even have to get in there and separate people, but just say, I'm watching you. I'm observing this. And we're seeing this all the time too. There's so many people that are recording on their phones when things go sideways, whether it's a fabric store or whether it's in a grocery store of, I remember those kids running through the grocery store. I think they were both arrested, but they were touching all the vegetables. They ran through their, you know, 15 year old yahoos picking up the bananas, touching everything. And people are in the grocery store watching these kids fly through there. And it kind of makes me laugh because they weren't stealing anything. They were being ding dongs, Yeah. but you know, people were filming them and their parents were so embarrassed and they had to do communities. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your phone is a good tool as well, but you got to yes. know when to lay your phone down and to actually put it in your GD pocket and step in and help somebody. It's all fine to have it mm-hmm. filmed you know, I don't know if you're trying to win money for the funniest home video $10,000 prize, but um, yeah. Yeah. And then rage cleaning, I think, is very effective as well. <laughs> Screaming into your pillow. Uh, I did going, not expect that. Working out. There are a lot of ways to, but there is a lot of stress to be relieved these days. Do you want to be, do you want to be right or do you want to have peace? Exactly. And it's hard, you know, and it's like, yeah yeah exactly do you want to yeah is it bad to say that i want to be right i want to be right well and there's like there's do you do you want to be right adam sometimes i want to be right when i'm right i have to be right sometimes i'm wrong but if i'm right oh i'm right i'm right (laughs) (laughs) sometimes i'm just right but what i know i'm right (laughs) that's good too (laughs) and then there's the question of letting people get away get away with with things you know when you know that they're not acting in a in an acceptable manner that's right well i'll tell you it was refreshing to not have to talk about the trump family in any way shape or form these last five months Mm -hmm. yes absolutely ivanka had her first tweet and uh, all hell has broken loose you know because she hasn't tweeted in a few months since it all went sideways and i guess all the uh the folks are not happy. You can't please all the people all the time, but you can please some of the people some of the time. And that's our, that was not our theme today, but if there was going to be a theme, that would have been it. I want to thank Julie and Adam for being with me. Uh, Julie's been with us for three episodes and she's going to be back. Absolutely. But it's always a pleasure. And we want to get updated on Buttergate. I know there's a lot going on, uh, but we have like 14 seconds left, so it's not going to happen right now, but we will get to it. In the meantime, be good to yourself. The best is yet to come. Good things come out of bad things. And um, patience. Patience will prevail. And, and uh, be, be as nice as you possibly can to people. Unless they're really, really awful people. Then you can yell at them as you're driving by in your car safely, leaving the scene that they can't catch you. And what good advice is that? It's not really, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's okay to yell things at your car window. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Totally do. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.